I'm Aria Schwartz along with Ben Dole, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. It finally happened. Natasha Howard has been traded to the New York Liberty, but that wasn't the only move of today. Let's dive in. our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our staff's amazing written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com while you're over there i'm just going to highlight two things for you one our overseas tracker it's live you can see where your favorite WNBA players are playing overseas all in one place and the other one that might be more pressing is the free agency tracker done by Ben Dull, where you can see where all the moves are happening, what it impacts, who it impacts, and how it's going to play out. Well, Ben, Natasha Howard, Megan Walker, Kian Nurse, Kiki Herbert-Harrodin, Steph Talbot, Sammy Wickham, Katie Lou Samuelson, and a bunch of draft picks changed hands today. My head's still spinning from the day. I'm sure yours is too. You have the advantage of being three hours behind me. I don't know how that helps you in this situation, but in general, I think it's a positive. Uh, in regards to covering the W. Ben, break down what happened and tell us how you're feeling. So today was a neutral today was a neutral time zone day, I think we would say. When did the when did this come out? Basically mid-afternoon or early afternoon for you. That's that's acceptable on Pacific time, right? It's not You you didn't wake up to like I guess there is the negative too when these teams like to get, you know, the Connecticut Sun must hate all West Coast reporters when they kept breaking everything at 9 a.m. East Coast time. Yeah, I don't know. And obviously, West Coast always wins actually watching games at a normal time. <laughs> but hey, let's uh, let's get to it here. So to summarize before we go kind of piece by piece, we have New York ending up with Natasha Howard and Sammy Whitcomb, both in on sign and trade deals, four-year deal for Natasha Howard, basically an upper max salary reported as 215 215,000 as opposed to 221 and change for the start of that contract. Sammy Whitcomb 150,000 and change both years protected and the number 6 overall pick in this first round of this draft. Phoenix ends up with Kia Nurse and Megan Walker. Seattle ends up with Kiki Herbert Harrigan, Katie Lou Samuelson, Steph Talbot, the rights to Talbot, we'll see what happens with her, at least as far as 2021 is concerned. And two 2022 second round picks from the the picks that belong to Dallas and New York. Minnesota ends up with the 2022 Phoenix first round pick. That pick went on a journey today from Mm -hmm. Phoenix to New York to Seattle now to Minnesota and Dallas got the number one overall pick in the 2021 WNBA draft already holding two, five and seven in the first round this year. So again, we're going to go piece by piece here. Some of this essentially, essentially it all touches each other in some way, mainly for Seattle and New York. And some of this stuff is a little bit more isolated 
but the the natural starting point is the New York and Phoenix part of this, where Phoenix gets the two players, and then New York got number six from Phoenix, and then they got that Phoenix first-round pick again, which went on a little bit of a journey. So the part we can get to later, right, is this part of this was a precursor in the Natasha Howard piece of it. And clearly Seattle preferred a pick, I would think, over what, over maybe the players that they could have just gotten from Seattle. But the the Phoenix part of this is is more interesting, right? Where where do you want to start with with them getting those two players? I I think it's a really interesting move. I think it's pretty clear to me, at least, what this means, right? We we know Diana Taurasi signed a two year contract, right? So we know she's with the team for two more seasons. Whether or not she lasts longer is is not here nor there. I mean, we were talking about before we got on the show. To me, it's a pretty clear move. I mean, I I said I think Phoenix walks away today with their head held high saying we won this, right? And you very wisely, as you normally do, rebutted, yeah, but it kind of relies on Kia Nurse resigning next year because they are, you know, they've kind of tied their hands in a certain respect to what they can do down the line. Respectively, I think they look at this and they go, okay, Seattle's not the powerhouse they were last season. LA is not the powerhouse they were last season. We feel pretty confident about what we've seen going up against Vegas, who's, you know, probably the big, one of the bigger, if not biggest powerhouses in the league right now. And, you know, chips in. Let's go. Double down or nothing. Diana Taurasi is here for two more seasons. They've made it clear over the past few years that their goal is to win a championship before Diana Taurasi is gone. They're not in a situation where they're saying, oh, you know, let's make this long con. Let's make a long play. They're saying, like, let's see what we can do right now. Now, you know, Walker and Nurse definitely sign or signal towards the future for possibly somebody like Sophie Cunningham, right? Or possibly Shea Petty. What What's going to happen with those players is, is yet to be seen. Um, but in general, I think, you know, Phoenix has to be walking away saying, hey, we got that much closer to winning a championship this year. And that's kind of what their goal has to be. I mean, what do you think about them? Well, they better feel good about it. They just made the trade. They didn't play any games yet. And they sent out a future first-round pick. And so, you know, this was this was one of the trades I wrote up, by the way, for Phoenix to make with the thought being is is trading two picks. You don't get to humble it. brag that, Ben. Shout out to you for predicting it, but continue. The <laughs> So... The, the question Phoenix had to had to answer with confidence to make this, is it worth it to trade out two first-round picks? And to get Kia Nurse, yeah, she's going to be a restricted free agent next offseason. They just did this dance with Shatori Walker-Kimbrough. They traded for her last year knowing she would be a restricted free agent. And the math won't really change for them if they still have their four max players next year. And... So as far as thinking ahead for Nurse, if you still have those four players, you're going to hope she basically takes the kind of contract that Kiavon took, somewhere around 110000 I mean, that is about... I mean, they can't really do anything better than that. So, but that is getting a year ahead. Obviously, they're in a win-now mode, and Kia Nurse is going to help them a lot in 2021. You figure she's going to start on the wing next to Skylar Diggins-Smith and Diana Taurasi, You've got Bria Hartley coming back from the injury. 
still going to be a big part of the rotation. And I think one thing we're going to see Sandy Brondello do is keep two of those three guards on the court all the time, which is going to make them really tough to guard and also make it easier to, you know, manage their minutes. And then maybe you don't have to bring somebody else into the rotation and just max out the minutes for your best players. Nurse, pretty solid defensive player, can can give them some help there. I'm not sure that she's going to necessarily be a, a lock to make an all-defense team. And then she's also a quality three-point shooter. You can run some plays for her. Nurse is also excellent in transition. She is really fast, which uh, was really shocking when she first got in the league. You didn't. I think Nafisa Collier mentioned that on her podcast too. Like I didn't realize Kia was this fast until I had to guard her in the pros. So they'll be able to get, you know, she'll help them out in transition too. And then the Megan Walker piece of this, we'll see. You you mentioned the other players. This knocks Sophie Cunningham down a rung. We'll see what her future even is with them. Nia Coffey as part of this got waived. I saw Brendan Clean had that. And yeah, so now it, it's a good move for Phoenix. That, that pick out in the future next year. There obviously is the downside where if someone on your team gets hurt, right? And you finish, I don't know seventh sixth or seventh or something like that and may it's it's may, maybe ends up being higher than you'd hope for but you know uh, well quote, i would also quote, i mean breaking this down i think obviously you have to view it in the sense of no one's getting injured right because you can't really be you know when you're building a roster you don't go oh well if this player gets injured we can still win i don't know whatever but what i i think an interesting aspect with getting Kia Nurse, who's still young, with getting a Megan Walker, um, you know, coming off last season where disappointing minutes amount, you could say disappointing play, whatever people want to say, you're getting somebody who, if correct me if I'm wrong, she declared early for the draft, comes into the draft last year, didn't go as high as some people might have expected her to go. But if you put her in this draft class, would you pick her? as a top six, would you pick her with that sixth, you know? And and that's kind of the way I view it is she's essentially them saying, okay, you know, I, I think there's an underlying theme. If you ask me about the GMs in this league's perception of this upcoming draft class. Now, I think a, a huge aspect of that, and I know you can, you and, and our other co-host, Rachel, who's not with us today, who's just too busy breaking all this news and is now having, a lovely calm dinner with her family while we're debating this. But I, I, I guess I'm, I think it's it, people might look at it as a sense of this shows how weak this draft class is and the perspective of the, of the GMs. But I think also a little bit underrated is that all these players in NCAA right now have another year of eligibility. So it might not necessarily be that, Oh, I don't think this draft class is that good. It might be a situation of, well, there's a lot of uncertainty. How do I know someone, you know, I might have my eyes set on someone, but they might not declare for the draft. And we won't find that out until what, like a week before the draft, two weeks before the draft. So if that's the situation, I'd rather take someone who at least is already in the league. Thoughts? Well, thank you for finally cutting me off. I was going too long, but I was wrapping up by saying I was going to quote the great modern philosopher, Sam Presti, scared money don't make none. Uh, hopefully this one person gets that reference, but that person the, ain't me. 
<laughs> so no, I don't think there's any reason really to 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 fret too much. To be clear, after I laid all that out, to really fret over Phoenix was was this too big of a price to pay? When you're when you phrased it as thinking about it as draft picks, well, it's totally fine to think of Kia Nurse as the the number six uh, number six kind of pick in this draft, and and frankly better than some of those players because again the the problem for Phoenix they're trying to win right now, and what obviously gets lost sometimes in draft analysis is you know it doesn't happen right away for every single player they aren't going to step in and be amazing and have it all figured out from day one especially in this role where you got to play next to three ball dominant guards that really know their role and possibly Brittany Griner, you got to just make your open shots and, you know, play your ass off on defense and, and Kia nurse fits that to a T and to get Walker as part of it too. If you're kind of thinking of her possibly as that, you know, that second first round pick here, it's somebody that can, you know, stay on the corner and bang a bunch of open threes which is the one thing they really need her to do offensively. You know, how much can she develop to contribute as, you know, a solid defensive player, maybe add a little bit offensively to her game, which we didn't see a ton at UConn off the dribble, but I think she does have the body if she continues to work on it to be able to take one, two, one or two dribbles, you know, to attack some closeouts to, to play off of her shooting ability. But, but nurse, nurse is the big piece here. And without getting too caught up in what happens next year, you know, if you had to circle really one thing in terms of who they're really going to count on in the playoffs, right? This was this was the thing you had to circle. If they could have an incredible shooter at the four, that'd be great. <laughs> or if Brianna Turner just became a forty percent three point shooter, <laughs> but we we know what the what the market is there, right? It's just really hard to find to find shooting at that spot. Well, heck, it's it's hard to find a big, right? I mean, the market for a big in this league right now is just ridiculous. But that's a different episode. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. So just getting Kia Nurse, it's it's worth it for Phoenix. Again, you got to see what happens next year. That is definitely a part of this trade that obviously they were going to be aware of when they made it. But you're trying to win this year. Tomorrow's never promised. You got Tarasi now. You you have a window here, so this th- this is certainly better than doing nothing. And and so many pieces were already off in the board off the board in free agency. It's not like they were going to sign some starting starting caliber wing player. Most of those all those players essentially are gone. Yeah, and cost more money. So hey, it, it costs more money this season. So all right, all right. What what what's next? What what are we moving on to? Because I'm still my head's on a swivel. The main event, Natasha Howard ending up in New York and what Seattle got in return. So we're just we're just gonna take the Steph Talbot, Sammy Whitcomb part separately after this for, for people listening and then the other transactions. So the the meat of this year is New York getting Natasha Howard and sending to Seattle getting the number one overall pick, that 2022 Phoenix first round pick and then New York's second round pick next year. So before getting into like Natasha Howard, what it means on the Liberty, all this stuff, the I think the, the, the parts to talk about here is what do you make of this return in terms of look at everything you could have possibly asked for to, to, fin- to wrap up, by the way, a point on that previous one, like 
getting Megan Walker as Phoenix. I would have loved Jocelyn Willoughby. Obviously, I I talk about her a ton, but New York keeping her, by the way, in, among all these transactions today, that seems to tell me something, that they <laughs> feel pretty good about her. But what do you make of what should Seattle have asked for? What do you make of, of what they got? And is, yeah, how, how do you like... How do you like this for for Seattle when you're just trying to get something back? Uh, honestly, like it, it's a tough situation, right? I mean, from I don't know how to word this without getting myself in trouble. From from some things that I've heard, Natasha Howard, obviously, and and based on the CBA, correct me if I'm wrong. Tasha Howard, if getting cord, would have to give some. Uh, okay some signal of being all right with this move is that correct well yeah i mean why why would it have happened in the first place or why wouldn't why wouldn't see well yeah i mean all right we're we're putting we're putting together the pieces i'm not i'm not burning anybody here by saying that natasha howard wanted to go to new york and so from my understanding of that it puts you in a really tough situation right let's look back at uh, Sylvia Fowles wanting to go to Minnesota. Let's look at Elena Deladon wanting to go uh, to D.C. And I'm sure there's a couple other similar situations uh, more recently than I'm blanking on right now, um, as as you commonly get a blank right at the right moment. So for me, it's like, it, it, you know, Seattle is in a rock and a hard place, right? Going into this, this offseason, you had Sue Bird, Natasha Howard, Sammy Wickham, and Alicia Clark. Well, the only one you're keeping of that whole setup is Sue Bird. So if I'm if I'm Seattle, I'm sitting here and going, okay, I understand all these players are gone. What can we do for a short-term gap? Because similarly, I'm sure, Seattle's looking at it as we still have Sue Bird who's been playing great. Jewel Lloyd has been growing and getting better and better. Brianna Stewart is, you know, off an MVP season or second MVP season is looking really good. Or sorry, excuse me. Only one MVP season. I apologize to all the South Carolina fans. Nisha Wilson won MVP this past year. Don't attack me. Um, but obviously, Brianna Stewart was in that discussion and, and there. So honestly, I'm scratching my head and I'm going, okay, what's going to be the makeup of this roster? What positions are people playing at? They signed Candace Dupree. And if I'm Seattle, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know how to judge Seattle's moves in this, honestly. Um, you didn't catch me off guard with this. But every time I try and talk about it, I just get more confused. So uh, let me flip it to you and ask you, and then I'll just tell you why I disagree with anything you said. Because for me, it's a situation of like, I've, I personally, I have a lot of faith in Jordan Canada and Mercedes Russell. Don't have a lot of faith in Morgan Tuck, Epiphany Prince, um, you know, uh, Latska. I'm not going to butcher her first name. I hope I didn't butcher her last name. Uh, you've hyped her up enough in my ear to get me excited to see her play. And as he, with all the hype around her, she did have some great spurts during this past season, but I'm looking at it more so as like, if you're trying to make a push for a championship run right now, I, like I said before, I got to say that the Mercury are walking away thinking, Hey, we won today and Seattle, I I, I guess are licking their wounds. I don't know if if that maybe that's too far, but obviously they said we want draft picks, but then said we rather push a draft pick away for Katie Lou, which is, you know, down the road in our discussion. Sorry, Ben. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? I, my head's all over the place. Yeah. So with Natasha Howard being cord, you know, first, I think it's important to lay out some examples 
from what we've seen recently in these kind of trades, right? So Liz Cambage with the wings requested a trade and that one strung out quite a while, right? You know, I was there in Vegas at the preseason game and Liz arrives in Vegas, right? So that, that one really took a while that went into the off season, but Dallas ended up getting Mariah Jefferson, Isabel Harrison, and the first and second round picks of Vegas in the following year, which ended up being 2020. Skylar Diggins-Smith, the next year, Cord, requested a trade, ends up going to Phoenix. Dallas got two firsts in that last year, number five and number seven, and then a future first, Phoenix's future first. So now compare that to this one where Seattle gets the number one overall pick. And before you get into... All this stuff, right? Oh, let's see. It, it, they're telling us a lot about this draft class, all this stuff. You traded the number one pick in a draft for a player that wanted to go to your team. And I just think it's an interesting shift if you look at that Cambage package and then compare it to the one for Skyler and then the one for Natasha. And as these situations keep happening, right, it isn't all that uncommon for a star player to ask out, even if they're cord. I, I just wonder, as a big picture thing here, before getting to the teams, it's interesting. We seem to be trending in a direction where teams are still getting an awful lot for players that are out the door, which I would just say is a little surprising here. You can also lump in Dewana Bonner here, even though she was a true unrestricted free agent that fetched three first-round picks. So I just think that's interesting because I would imagine teams – thinking about this and, you know, putting themselves in their, in the shoes of a team as someone that might have to do this in the future. It's like, man, why do, why do I have to give up this much <laughs> for a player that, that wants to come to my team? So arriving finally at this for Seattle, it just, I'm kind of surprised. I would say to start that New York was willing to do that in the first place because unless you're just feeling all this pressure to just get it done, right? Let's, so let's, let's talk about this piece of it here. What, what's the rush? Why not just say no? Forget about what you think about the draft class. It's the number one pick. I can pick whoever I want in this draft. They did end up getting number six, but it just, <laughs> couldn't you have waited and just whittle Seattle down and wait for him, you know, wait for him to, I just think that that piece of it is really interesting. And I, I just wonder how much how much that'll be discussed. It probably won't be discussed as much as it should be. I think that's a really interesting aspect that needs to be discussed more. Um, I mean, I always view it in the sense of both teams. Like, I view it from both teams should be holding out as long as freaking possible. If I'm Seattle, then I go, okay, Tasha Howard isn't going to sign. Cool. If, if we're not getting what we want, I, I, I understand there's, you know, they, if they're not going to get Natasha Howard this season and then, you know, have the same issue next season, whatever, and whatever, and this just goes on forever. I, I get it. You know, there's also this idea that you should do right by the players, especially one who's brought you uh, multiple championships. So I, like, I get it, but I almost feel that there was more pressure on New York just because of how bad they were this past season. Obviously, there's, you know, five asterisks next to that sentence. But understanding how bad they were and bringing over Benajelani 
and kind of saying, okay, you know, now she's a piece, right? She's not, she's not the, the main dish. She's not going to win you a championship and that's not hate towards her. You need some other pieces uh, to bring together for that to happen. So I almost view it as there's more pressure on New York being in such a big market, having all those crazy New York fans, you know, up in, in Jonathan Cobb's face saying, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is crazy. I think there might be more pressure than we're giving credit on New York to make the correct moves uh, to bring players in and give them at least a fighting chance. I mean, they're a playoff team now, right? Well, you're right to point out that they're the team receiving or trying to receive the big name. They should feel pressure, right? You don't want to have to wait to a situation where it's the draft or even you're approaching training camp and you still can't get this done, right? You don't want to have to wait. You want to know what's happening. You want to be able, be able to drum up that excitement, but you just, you want to know who's on your team, right? So for that side of it is important. It's, I think it's more so for the other side is, you know, how, how much are you really kind of willing to dig your heels in, but also ultimately what, just what do you really want out of this deal? Like I asked you about New York and what would you want? And just scanning New York's roster, obviously the number one pick comes to mind as something you would ask for and looking elsewhere, right? Okay. You're not getting Sabrina Ionescu. I've brought up Jocelyn Willoughby and Seattle ended up getting some players at the forward spot with, that we'll talk about. That would have been a player I would have liked to have, but as have, but as I mentioned, New York must have wanted to keep Jocelyn to some degree. So maybe that's a player where they kind of put their foot down. Kylie Shook, maybe if you believe in her as kind of being a backup big, that's a little bit further down. And Asia Durr, you, you have to wonder, you know, with, with Asia's current bout with COVID, I just think it would be tough to imagine a team trading for her just with that as, as they're trying to see what happens there. So I think that's another part of this that we, we have to acknowledge. Um, and Seattle really wanted more, or they need more of a small forward ultimately than a shooting guard. So looking at what you could have asked for, ultimately next year's first round pick from New York would have been nice from Seattle's standpoint as something else to ask for. They did get the Phoenix first. So you don't, you don't seem like super <laughs> fired up about like the negotiation part of this, but how about this? No, would you I, rather, well, no, here, so here's the question. Yeah. Would you rather have, would you rather have New York's first next year or that Phoenix pick? I mean, I think Phoenix is going to do better, so I'd rather have New York's first pick for next year. I also, I also think, as we see with the Katie Lou move slightly later on, I think it's pretty clear that, similar to what I said about Phoenix and what I kind of touched on before, was that they want they didn't want you know New York's roster right now. You have some some good players. You know this this addition of Talbot could be very positive if she comes over this season, obviously being a Olympic season uh, and all that jazz is going to cause issues. So maybe she doesn't come over this season. Maybe she comes over late for me. It's like Seattle one didn't want draft picks, right? As much as they got draft picks, they quickly moved some of those to get a tangible player because they want someone who can produce now someone that they feel they can get something out of from, like from the jump, a player who, 
you know, the, and and similar to what you said when it came to, uh, you know, talking about Phoenix and and these these three positions, um, there's not many options left, and so I think Seattle basically said, okay, let's get as many picks as we can, and then trade some of those picks, uh, you know, into a situation where we can get someone who maybe hasn't done enough yet. Um, maybe somebody who hasn't gotten enough minutes, hasn't gotten an opportunity, and now we can put them into a specific role and do something different with them. Um, I think, I mean, that's got to be their mindset, right? Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just still stuck on the negotiation piece of this. I mean, the, the fact that, again, New York, this is day 10 of free agency. We just started, and they threw a number one pick in a trade for someone that, you know, someone that presumably wanted to be on their team. So if you're New York, another interesting question here, would you rather trade this number one pick or your own first round pick next year? Which I one think, do you think you, has more upside. I think next year has more upside. There's, there's just more clarity next year. So that's interesting. Like I just, it's interesting. I've, I don't know how much we're going to – I don't think I want to really get into a, a big diatribe on this year's draft class with this, but it's – I'll say this too. The the number one pick has changed hands two times today, which just is a crazy sentence to me, regardless of the draft class and even some of the underlying context. But I'll say this too, and this goes for both cases with teams trading this pick. If there is – you know, unless these teams feel – absolute 100% total certainty that Ryan Howard is not going to somehow graduate early this season like this this it's a disastrous trade to give up the number 1 pick like it is a huge like huge going to be red mark on their on their entire tenure if they did that and it's a complicated issue right because how can you because I don't know even privately how much these different parties can know for sure right no one mm-hmm. no one has the incentive to actually tell us what's going to happen be it Kentucky, the coaching staff, or Howard herself. And that's obviously the crown jewel to me of these next couple drafts. Obviously next year when when Howard would be a senior. So that's that's one thing I'm gonna highlight here. <laughs> you know, it's just like not even getting into like, I'm not saying I think it's likely it's 20%, I'm not like putting a number to it, but it's just like, I'm just saying if if you're gonna trade the number one pick, you better feel really good that that isn't going to happen because again, from New York's perspective, why not just wait, say, sorry, like, sorry, Seattle, you can't have the number one pick. (laughs) Well, that, and that's the, that's the thing that I was going to say when it came to the Katie Lou trade, when we get to that, but also I think a huge underlying elephant in the room, which we spoke about during Dwana Bonner, which we spoke about during the Liz Cambage there's not, and I understand that every draft class is different, and so it's affected it in a different way, but I don't think we have that consensus understanding of what the number one pick in the WNBA draft means or is valued at in the same way that we have, you know, for the NFL, the MLB, or whatever major league sport it is. It's been clear to find, and, and I think part of that goes with the age of the league. So it's going to take time before we fully understand that, but I completely agree with you. You know, if there's a, a generational talent um, that everyone said Ryan Howard is and will be in the W, hopefully we all get to see that. 
you know, why are you trading out of the first round, trading out of possibility of getting that? I mean, but yeah, uh, that's a, a dark, dark rabbit hole. We could go down a different time. Which moves next? What are we doing next? Well, I, I, sorry, I'm belaboring this, but let's, I have a couple more thoughts I want to get to. So go for it. For, for, from New York's side of this, again, it's just, I think it, I don't understand the, uh, I guess the willingness to just let go of number one again, this early February 10th, this early in the stage, that just, that just makes no sense to me on top of just the principle of why, why are we going to, you know, really give you this great package in a trade. Now the, the, the Seattle part of this, we'll have to get into the other players too, but I would have really liked to have asked for Jocelyn Willoughby given their needs. If you're Seattle, and I don't know what else. Obviously, they may have they may have hoped for. Other than that, that that can get that can become a pretty interesting side conversation. And the funny part too, like the the point I made there before you started was like even Seattle, they got the number one pick, but they clearly didn't want it that bad. <laughs> so right. <laughs> so yeah, these uh, when a, when a trade has to happen, this it, it it's really fascinating. What what the offer ends up being, how long it takes, and and what the team is actually willing to to end up giving. So I, I think I've I've stated my piece there. So you had mentioned the next part. We can get to this other Seattle New York component where Seattle gets the rights to Steph Talbot. So we'll see what Steph wants to do this year. Didn't come over this year. It's an Olympic year. You would assume she's going to be a part of Australia's plans. So we'll see what happens there. I think that's it's it's an option to play the three, although I, I think we'll get to Seattle's overall picture, but I think the players they ended up getting are going to be higher priorities to get minutes than Steph, but, but for sure can be a rotation player. And then New York gets Sammy Whitcomb. I mentioned that's a two-year deal, protected contract, as reported by Gabe Ibrahim. So... What do you make of what do you make of this Whitcomb part of it? Because one, my 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 first reaction too was like, how much is Whitcomb even going to play in New York? Yeah, I mean, hopefully an expanded role. I was doing this exercise actually. Like, let's talk about the Liberty's starting five. Who like as of today, right? Obviously Howard, obviously Laney, obviously Sabrina, right? Yep. So now you're looking, do you start, you know, Sammy Wickham? Here's the thing. I'm fine playing her at the two and starting her because you have so many other players, you know, Sabrina's going to cause so much attention to her. I just feel naturally whoever, whoever that fourth person is or that, sorry, that fifth person is, you know, I feel like it's going to end up being Sammy's just going to be getting a lot of open looks and she will knock those down over and over. So, you know, will obviously if you're paying her that much on a protected contract, you're expecting to pay, you know, you're probably expecting uh, uh, Johannes doesn't come over. Maybe you're probably expecting, oh, we still have a lot of young players on this roster. We need someone a little bit more reliable, someone with a winner's pedigree. So, I, I mean, are you asking me for a legit amount of minutes, like a, a minute prediction? 
or or do you did that no, answer your question? No, you answered it well enough. <laughs> yeah, give me <laughs> give me a number now to the nearest hundredth uh, of a minute. But uh, twenty minutes point four, boom. Yeah. So as far as the lineup, you mentioned Sabrina at one of the guard spots, Laney at the three, Natasha Howard at the four. Well, what's New York doing at center? Not to mention the stuff. Not to go back too long on the stuff about the number one pick. What if Charlie Collier comes out? Did, was part of New York's thought process with this that they're just not that excited about Collier, possibly as a center next to Natasha Howard? So, you know, that's what they do at the five is interesting too. So for now, you'd say. Well, why, you, why can't Howard play the five? Why why don't you play a little bit more agile ball? Because she could, yeah, she could, sure, she did in Seattle, yeah, yeah. But then who's playing, I mean, who's playing the four? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the real question is who is this other person? I mean, you don't want to, in my mind, you don't want Laney being your like start stop four. Um, you can look at a lot of like you look at a lot of other players in this roster and they don't have a real four in my mind, at least. Maybe maybe I'm crazy or maybe I'm not thinking straight enough. Um, I mean, I but I, I also don't understand. I mean. Okay, you you posed it. Who's starting at center, right? Are you going to put Kia Nurse? Uh, sorry, God, there's so many names going. She's on. Got, Are you going to put gone, a tie? She's gone. <laughs> she's gone. I'm, I'm just dying over it. No. Are you going to put Kia Stokes? Finally, there's not a bunch of Kias on one team. Are you going to put Kia Stokes and Natasha Howard as your starting four or five? Does that really make sense with the style of ball they want to play? Not in my mind. In my mind, you sign Howard to play her at the five. And you fill in that four position, and then you're just playing a really high-paced offensive team with a really good anchor in the backcourt. Yeah, and, court. and and we don't have to get too caught up in the starting, right? They could they could try to play Natasha at the four and the five and see how it goes. And but just on the the question of one of those front court spots and how New York handles the minutes, I I thought, and you know they seem to say some things that indicated like. Liana Odom and Jocelyn Willoughby are going to play there some, and they basically didn't at all last season. Now, as they actually get better and comfortable in the league, right, that might get easier, and that might begin to make more sense, and that would help you plan more four or five out, more up-tempo. You can have some more combinations that do some switching on defense. So that that part of it would still be really interesting. And looking elsewhere... The draft piece of it too, I mentioned, you know, if Collier declares early, so that, you know, that possibility seems to be out the window. I don't, I don't think I can see a, a path necessarily where Collier would slip to six. Same for Awakuyer, who is more of a mobile, uh, mobile kind of do it all kind of forward that could have possibly been paired with Natasha. And there aren't a ton of fours in this class either. You know, Jasmine Walker out of Alabama can really shoot it. So I don't know if that's going to become a target for them at number six. Walker's been a, a riser for sure, playing really well. Um, and even if that might seem a little high, if they that could just be a, a really important spot for them to plug. So there's one name you can target there. So th there's options. If they actually if they can play, Odom and Willoughby there, I think that'd be preferred at least a little bit. What's Rebecca Allen going to do this year too? That could be someone plays a little bit at the four or just something more traditional with, with Stokes and Shook getting minutes at the center at center and 
Amanda Zowie B still unsigned. We'll see what happens with her in free agency, but I don't know if it seems uh, seems too likely that that a return is going to be happening in New York. So, oh yeah, we were talking about Sammy Whitcomb, weren't we? <laughs> <Should> yeah, we... <laughs> the, the rabbit hole that it all goes down. So that that part is interesting, right? So for the Liberty, Johannes and Durr, both to me, and so I, I don't know if you disagree, those two players should absolutely be higher priorities than Wickham in terms oh, of definitely. the definitely. Right. So that, that was just the interesting part of seeing this happen. So Johannes, like we've this is a Eurobasket and an Olympic year. <laughs> so even if she does quote unquote come over, it's gonna be a pretty disjointed season. So that clearly factors into it. And and Durr, obviously we just we just don't know. And her health, well, her but I, but I think priority. that's part of it, right? You're getting someone who you at least have more stability than you know Johannes and Durr, right? So like, yeah, if if everybody was healthy and and this wasn't a overseas issues and all that, I mean, I just think you have more stability in Sammy Wickham, and obviously there's there's other you know, possibilities and other confusions and, and issues there. But like they're going for stability right now because just having, you know, having Natasha Howard, having Sabrina Inescu and having Benajah Laney puts you in playoffs in my mind, or at least fighting for a playoff spot. Like I, I think, I mean, not to, not to steal your quote, but there's, 11 teams that will be fighting for playoff spots. And then there's the Indiana fever. Um, it was a great line that Ben had. I give all credit to you. Uh, you know, I, I can confirm that statement. Um, for all, me, I like all my greatest hits just like usual. I know. Right. Ben says something hilarious. And then I quickly tweet it out before he can. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the stability of it. And especially with the long-term question marks around Asia Dura, I like the move a lot. The, I will say the fact that it's only a two-year deal, I think that you know that was a smart move for them as opposed to extending it possibly for a third year. So this two-year window, I don't think it hurts them a ton. And, and Wickham still, I think, clearly has plenty of good basketball ahead of her. It's just I, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm super thrilled about that for them. It, it, you know, again, just Johannes Durr being being priorities. You would assume Lasia Clarendon and Sabrina playing some minutes together at least. And also you have Jasmine Jones floating here as part of that guard rotation. And also, you know, speaking to draft possibilities too, trade going from one to six, I don't know if they're even going to be able to expect to have a shot at either either point guard, Ari McDonald or Dana Evans, if they really liked one of them. And taking one of those players at one, maybe that would have been a shock to some people but if you really like one of those players i think i think that possibility is also out the door where that's more of a long-term that could have been a long-term building block if you like really like one of those players where it's just you know what comes a good player but I just, I just think she's just she's more valuable to the team that's that's trying to win a championship right away just as as one of your top bench players yeah i mean also i will i all right it boils down to and i completely agree with you we don't like them giving up the number one pick. And if you're going to, and if yeah. you're going to do a trade down trade, like 
I know the narrative coming out of New York, I've seen multiple people put this out there. I think I even saw a quote was something to the effect of like, look what we were able to get and, you know, what we gave up. And, you know, oh, well, yeah, we just moved back five spots. Let's not scoff at moving back five spots. You went from having the tone setting pick throughout the draft to now having to play reactionary to what other teams do. We've probably beat this for way too long. What's next, Ben? Yeah, so uh, what do you? we're not going to apologize for going this too long. This is the one of the biggest trades uh, all lumped together probably in league history. Yeah. <laughs> so next piece here, Seattle and Minnesota. Minnesota, that as mentioned, that 2022 Phoenix first-round pick finally finds a home for now in, in Minnesota. And just a one-for-one, one, Seattle gets Kiki Herbert Harrigan, Minnesota's first-round pick last year. So, one, uh, the the Minnesota, I, <laughs> there's a lot, I think, still to to talk about what Minnesota still has to do and just kind of the, the place or maybe the rationale for this move for them. But let's talk about Seattle here, right? This is clearly a player that they targeted, and they obviously have that whole after losing Alicia Clark. So what do you make of this identification for Seattle of someone who just, I would just say call her forward for now, right? Play some minutes at the three, maybe some at the four, not maybe not really changing from, from what we, the, the time we did see here in Minnesota this year. I mean, my initial thought is I'm excited to see her play with Stewie because I, Kiki's interior defense is, is on point. Um, I, I, I mean, side note, I could go on a whole rant about like, if I'm Cheryl Reeve, how I'm not doing any favors for any players or teams. Like I saw the quotes in the star tribune from her just saying this had nothing to do with our opinion on Kiki. You know, she's going to get more minutes there and it's good for her side note. I would be the biggest asshole of a GM. Obviously it would probably bite me in my ass, but I'm never doing like a feel good thing like that i would say all right sorry kiki you're buried in our lineup for a while but not here nor there for seattle i mean i like the move i don't think it net, it doesn't move the needle big time in my mind because right now seattle's basically like stop the bleeding stop the bleeding okay now let's figure it out like i said at the beginning of this show you know losing howard losing wickham and losing clark are huge blows to this team um I'm honestly curious for you, actually, sorry to go on this tangent, what's the bigger loss, Clark or Howard? And I mean for this coming season, not long term. Because um, looking at it, I don't see a true fit for either of those positions, so far at least. Um, so I'm I'm kind of curious for you to, to touch on that. I mean, Lotska, I know you have talked about how she's the perfect, you know, fill-in for Sammy Wickham, and I'm not trying to discredit the things that Sammy Wickham has done, but we're talking about a lot like two really, really good defenders who are also threats offensively um, and fit the positions perfectly. So, I mean, sorry, which uh, flip it back to you, which hurts more <laughs> losing Clark or losing Howard. Before we get to that, I'm going to have to remind you to hit subscribe on this podcast, the Windsider show and on another one, the floor game. Ben Dole is the host, and it's presented by Windsider along and part of the Windsider Network. You can find these shows on all your favorite podcast apps, but make sure you download when you listen. 
It helps our stats and in turn gives us the ability to continue and do what we do. Back to the show. For, for winning a championship right now and just what, in general, what you could hope to accomplish, I think losing Howard is definitely the bigger loss. Going into free agency this year, there was a really strong crop of wing players and Seattle didn't end up getting one of those players, of course. <laughs> exactly. But if you felt like you were going to lose AC, it's not like there weren't good options, right? So, and if, if you know, if, if Seattle, if part of their problem was, I don't know, say, for example, did, did you overrate, you know, the odds that she would just resign and maybe not do your due diligence there? But it just, or, you know, maybe some of those players just didn't want to, just didn't want to join, join their team. The, the order of all this stuff is obviously complicated, but Howard's the bigger loss. Just all of what she does all in one package, they, they aren't going to replace that. Right. I mean, yeah. she was the perfect pair for Brianna Stewart. And I'm actually, you know, really excited for seeing Brianna Stewart this next season, because no matter who they bring in, there's not another player who truly fits Howard, right? Like she's not the most elite three point threat, but she is a three point threat. She's an elite defender. She's really good offensively. She has the size that perfect, like she was the perfect pair for Brianna Stewart in my mind. And there's nobody else with that build and athleticism in the league that, I mean, am I crazy to say that? No one else in the league. I mean, there are, there are players that could have been, uh, <laughs> could have gotten the job done. Yeah, but but I'm I I just think I mean all right Asia Wilson pair it up there okay cool I'll I'll give you that one um but other than that I mean like I I I I'm I'm struggling to find a player that I think and maybe it's not a recency bias but just a bias of seeing it actually happen versus like not having a PS five and play and just like saying all right Ben pause the podcast I'm gonna go play a bunch and just mess around with the rosters and we'll see what I think of later. You know what I mean? Like, so maybe I'm completely biased on this. I just think Clark was, sorry, Howard was the perfect pair in the front court for Stewart. Obviously it's easy to say that when they win two championships. Um, sorry, go. <laughs> part of the, part of the problem for Seattle is how are they going to be good as good defensively while still not, having major slippage offensively with what they had with Natasha. So the mm -hmm. defensive part of this, you know, the newly signed Candace Dupree, if, if you're trying to close games with Dupree and Stewart and a game, closing games against the best teams and, and on a playoff stage with that caveat, they're going to run into the same problems that they did before they got Natasha, where they're just going to get destroyed inside by the big centers. You know, like Dupree is a pretty, you know, good, physical analog to Crystal Langhorn when they were doing that. So you're going to have that problem. Dupree isn't going to be getting out 35 feet from the basket, disrupting people with her length, right? She just doesn't have that. If they try to have that aggressive style, guards are probably just going to see a target on her chest and just try to dribble right around her. And if they go to some of these other options, Mercedes Russell, not quite the same kind of athlete and move to move like that defensively does give them something against the bigger centers. 
but then offensively is probably going to take some stuff off the table because she just isn't going to stretch you out at all to the three-point line. Ezie Magbagor, how much can she do in year two? I think it might be asking a little bit too much right away from Ezie to really, to really, uh, you know, expect her to to do the majority of that when it's really winning time. And just you know, what what is she even going to be offensively if you plop her in with those with their best players on those biggest moments? So that that'll be interesting and. You know, yeah. Let, let's let's get let's get more to Seattle at the end. Uh, you uh, you uh, moved us off of Herbert Harrigan here for a little bit, which is interesting. Like I mentioned, Willoughby as a target to have maybe gotten from New York, so they went and got they used one of those picks to get Herbert Harrigan instead, and Ku Samuelson, who you, who we're gonna get to. Right now, it looks like it's going to be Samuelson and Herbert Harrigan dueling it out and just kind of splitting those minutes at the three, right? So are those players going to make their open shots? Absolutely. And I think Lou is going to give them some more shooting, being able to you know run off of screens, do stuff on the move, even put it on the floor a little bit. Herbert Harrigan certainly has more defensive upside than, than Samuelson. And then I wonder if we'll even see, do they just really go all in on offense and you do something like toy, toy with some minutes, just go Herbert Harrigan and Stewart at the four and the five and see it and see if that'll work for you. So Herbert Harrigan, as opposed to sitting on that pick or just doing something else, I think it's a, I think it's a reasonable, reasonable proposition, but you, you've brought in two players here, right? And it's just, you would think naturally one of them is going to emerge and get more than minutes. So they're, they're kind of taking two bites, taking two bites at this here. So I, I understand that approach. Um, I don't know. Going to have to chew on it though more for, for just like the overall appro- approach for Seattle. But I, I just want to give you props for the, the two bites and then chew on it uh, follow up because that was just amazing radio right there. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, oh, Minnesota, actually. We didn't talk about the Minnesota side of this that much. So in trading Herbert Harrigan, like that doesn't solve, that doesn't really do anything <laughs> to solve the most pressing issue facing them right now is they've got to get this Ariel Powers deal finalized. And you would assume AP is going to expect a protected contract and Minnesota doesn't have a slot right now. And props to you, by the way, last time bring, asking me, hey, should they have just done powers before Achanwa? That seemed a little strange to you, and I kind of brushed you off. And you were right. I I would have hoped to have done powers first in hindsight. And so now, if if all of that's the case, again, if if it's the protected hold, contract holding this up, they got to make some kind of trade. So trading Herbert Harrigan, like moving her doesn't doesn't necessarily affect that in a vacuum. Now getting this pick. I wonder if that will factor into it because if you're trying to move a contract mm-hmm. now, do you, ha- and are you trying, do you have to attach something to that contract? Right. Cause last time we talked about Odyssey Sims, which seems to be, you know, the elephant in the room, if they're going to move a contract, it seems like it would have to be that one. So, and I had mentioned like, if I'm one of the other teams and you know, Minnesota saying, Hey, 
uh, want to talk about <laughs> want to talk about a trade, I'd be saying, yeah, what else are you giving me to do you this favor? And uh, a first round pick would be, or a player, I guess. One minute. What, what teams? Uh, what teams do you think? Because here's the thing: we we live in a 12, tw- 12 team league. I'm curious looking at that, and I already expressed my opinion of like I hold on to Kiki because, like you said, doesn't really do anything. In worst case, you have a player that you can hold on to and and creates more of an appeal. I did not. I'll, I'll give you credit. I did not think about using that draft pick as a kind of, oh, I'll throw this in with Odyssey Sims. An interesting aspect also is Odyssey Sims is somebody who, you know, at the time of the contract, it was a little bit, I remember being like, holy crap, like, what are they doing? Guarantee this is really going to bite them in the ass. Nowadays, that 119 is not looking too bad. So it's not even like it's a, the, the issue here is the protected contract, right? It's not the fact that, it's such a, a ginormous contract. Like, obviously, it's different if we're talking, you know, a vet minimum that's guaranteed, fine, whatever. Um, what teams come to mind when you think of who would, you know, who would take Odyssey? There aren't, I mean, there aren't very many if you're just, if you're just looking for a team. I mean, New York, in theory, like, I think it's worth asking them. Cap space isn't their biggest issue, but I would think looking at their roster for, from their perspective, I'd say we're good, right? We got Sabrina, we got Leija Clarendon, we got some of these other younger players that are going to handle the ball, so we don't really need to do that. And the aces, now that Danielle Robinson's off the board, would you say, hey, let's, is this a chance to get another guard? I mean, they have the room for it. Fits, that fits might, the Aces style, right? It, that I wonder if that, I wonder if they would at least think about that a little bit again, especially if you can force Minnesota to attach something. You know, if you can pick up a first round pick and doing that. Again, I'm not saying that that's super likely that you can get a first round pick for doing this, but it, for Las Vegas, hey, can we get one more guard in there? Really solidify things. That might be interesting. Indiana was the team we circled previously. They went out and paid Danielle Robinson, but Indiana is absolutely the team to circle because if Minnesota is putting some kind of asset in play, again, because you're kind of doing them a favor in a sense, Indiana absolutely should, just no matter, like they just should do it if that's even an option. No question, because they're just, if you can get some kind of asset, you know, with where they're at, like they just need to do it. Dallas, I don't think they have the spots. They already have five protected contracts. They have a couple big contracts that they aren't going to be able to move. It's a one-year deal, but also, you know, Odyssey's already been there. And, you know, Connecticut's obviously out of question. They have six protected contracts anyways. Atlanta, I don't think they have the need. So Indiana, (laughs) I think has to be Indiana. Although... Again, I think the Vegas, Vegas, Vegas is a conversation. Intrigued. Yeah, Vegas has intrigued. Also, I could very well see a team saying, you know, Sims is just the price tag to get a draft pick, right? Like, but who, but who else other than I mentioned? I, I just don't see how it works, just financially and just them wanting to do it. 
Well, all right. Atlanta was a team that, while I don't see the fit, I completely, you know, when you said Vegas, my eyes opened up and I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Um, Didn't think about them. Now I can't not think about them. Atlanta's a team where, like, obviously Indiana's the obvious. Atlanta's a team where, would I be shocked? I mean, you look at who's on their roster and they have Pivik, uh, Michaela Pivik, they have uh, Kazorla, they have Brittany Brute. Like, they have a lot of players where I don't think it, they're very tied to these players. Um, and so would I be shocked for them to say, hey, we got Elizabeth, Tiffany Hayes, uh, and Courtney Williams becoming unrestricted free agents next season. You know, let's get a draft pick. So as a little bit of a security blanket for what's going to happen after that and maybe take a flyer out in Odyssey Sims and see if we can bring her back after next season. Uh, if we like what we've seen, you know, in that sense. So I, I don't think it's necessarily we're looking at, you know, like we've been talking about it, it, taking Sims, assuming that it comes with a draft pick makes a lot more sense now. And 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 I think the rock and a hard place that Minnesota has been in is trying to find this partner and now having this draft pick and not wanting to give something to, up <laughs> on top what? and not wanting to give something up to make it happen. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you look at Minnesota's roster and assuming they add aerial powers, like has been rumored that has been reported by multiple sources or multiple outlets, um, has been you acknowledged look at it by and you, powers on social media and well. acknowledged by powers on social media. That that's the, the funny one. Um, you gotta sit there and go, look, Minnesota, they're not moving McBride, Achanwa, Dantas, Fowles, They've shown a a a big paycheck and a lot of love to Rachel Bannum. Crystal Dangerfield ain't going nowhere after what we saw last season. Nafisa Collier is the cornerstone of this team moving forward. Bridget Carlton just did. I mean, it's going to be tough to make this roster for some of these players like Jess Shepard and Bridget Carlton, even though you know the team likes them and wants them to be on the roster. Like Cheryl Rivas put this roster together to say, hey, you know we're going to have 13 people, 14 people that we want on this roster, but unfortunately we're going to have to cut some people, but we'll make that decision when it gets to it. Um, so yeah, I mean now, now that I, all right, I should take back some of my uh, frustration on the Kiki trade and say, Ben, you have opened my eyes and made me understand. Wait a second. This is just trade fodder. And I respect that. And, and I'm okay with that. It, no, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be, but thinking of it in that way justifies it more in my mind, at least. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so the Herbert Harrigan part. So if you finalize this deal for Powers and you obviously signed Kayla McBride, right, that you've obviously committed 90, you know, 90% of all of those wing minutes for the coming years, right? <laughs> so that yeah. so that eliminates potential playing time for Herbert Harrigan. And if they have both of those players whether they both start together or not, doesn't really matter. Nafisa Collier is going to play a fair amount at the four just naturally, right. To get their best, to get those three players on the court. So they're also not going to be minutes at the four when you also have Dantas on the roster and even Shanwa, they must seem to think they're going to maybe play her some minutes next to Sylvia Fowles. So there really aren't minutes to go around. And I like Bridget Carlton I would probably side with her at this point as more of a two, three that obviously isn't, isn't this amazing. You know, I'm not 
overrating her being like this amazing shifty do it all ball handler, but you know, can't like is a little bit more of a natural perimeter player. I understand that one. I mean, I'll, I'll make that prediction. Now you, you lumped Carlton's name in there with some of the others. I mean, there, there's no way Carlton's not on their roster on opening. I, Oh, I, I agree. I mean, looking at this roster, it's interesting looking at this roster. It's, you know, does Chechi Zandalosini want to come over? Does Temi Fegbenli want to come over? Though that's kind of where it gets real iffy, right? I mean, right now, you assume they move Sims and they bring in Powers. And I would say that their roster is pretty much set. And then they do have a little bit of space. Um, but for me, it's just... It, it's kind of more so looking at Temi and Chechi and saying, okay, hmm. Well, what's going on here? Is one of them coming? Is one of them not? And that really presses it. Because honestly, this team, I, I shouldn't have said like 13, 14 players. Like this team's pretty much set. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, more or less. Obviously, unless they just made made, made a trade that, that we weren't expecting. So, well, if, if you just swap Odyssey Sims for uh, Aerial Powers, we're talking about an 11-person roster, and then you sign your draft pick. Yep. Right. They have the pick. Yeah. So, so, you know, it looks like it's pretty much set in my opinion, unless Zandalosini or Temi comes over and it causes a little bit of, of, of a log jam and you have to move one of those players or you're not taking, or, you know, salary cap wise be damned, but, or you're not taking your draft. So that's, that's my 15 cents. Yeah. No, you're right to bring up those two players too, because the, you know that would that would force Minnesota's hand into doing some more to an extent, and they do have that first round pick this year, number nine overall. You wonder what will happen with that one, and then just to wrap up on the on the trade, the Herbert Harrigan part of it. Yeah, is, is it a part of something that's going to be more immediate? We'll see, but also it's just as I mentioned. You know, I I like the business of trading for a future first round pick because you just never know right? That team has a key injury and then that pick ends up being way better than you thought it was. So maybe it's just that was also appealing to Minnesota. You're sitting on two first round picks now for next year. That's always valuable. And, and you can see how see how that shakes out. So should we get to our final piece here? Let's do it. All right. The Seattle Storm got Katie Lou Samuelson and Dallas is 2022 second round pick for I can't tell you how many times I reread the email when it hit my inbox from the wings for the number one pick in the 2021 draft which they just got from New York so one 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 thing by the way one way to think about this right Seattle got yeah they got a second round pick from New York too but obviously the main pieces they got two first round picks so they turned those picks in, you know, again, the meat of this trade, they turned those two picks into Herbert Harrigan and Samuelson and the second round picks. But Natasha Howard turned into Katie Lou Samuelson and Herbert Harrigan. So before the fit and all that stuff, let, let's get your thoughts on just th that price. It's they paid way too much. <laughs> I am I am very vocal uh, well, I guess I haven't been very vocal because I wanted to save it for the pod. 
I hate that move. Hate is a strong word. I, I mean, I wasn't in on the calls, so I can't tell you that Seattle didn't offer something and, and, and feel that their arm got twisted and they had to do it. But I'm sitting there going, why? Why are you giving up that much for Katie Lou? You know, our, and, and I'll play the devil's advocate to myself and say, you know, Arye, five minutes ago, you said, or I guess at this point, 30 minutes ago, you said, oh, but they, they're in a win now state. So they need to get a, an active player or whatever. I get that. But you could have offered less than the number one pick to get Katie Lou. That's all I'm saying is what is going on that your go-to move to get Katie Lou, and this isn't a hate on Katie Lou, right? Heck, in the draft she was drafted in, she wasn't a top five pick. She's, I don't, you know, okay, argue with me Lou, that she would be a top number, five. Number four pick. Lou is the number four pick to Chicago. Oh, she was number four. All right, fine. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I confuse her and, and, uh, I confuse her and Collier. My apologies. But I also remember when they picked her in from Chicago that year, scratching my head saying she should not have gone this high. What was going on? What was this move? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, now you've completely thrown me off my wheels and I feel completely embarrassed by making that last comment. But no, in all honesty, I, I'm just sitting here scratching my head going, why are you giving up the number one pick? I don't care about anything else. If you're giving up the number one pick, you better be getting you know, a yearly, uh, 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 someone who's in the mentions of yearly awards or who won a yearly award. Maybe that's oversimplification and I'll, I'll accept that and acknowledge that. I'm, I'm pissed off right now. If I'm a Seattle fan, I'm pissed off. Whoa. <laughs> uh, ended on a crescendo there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, the price was way too much to pay just for Samuelson Again, we'll get to the fit and how this will look for Seattle and all that stuff later. So you've lost Alicia Clark. You're trying to fill this obvious spot. And I mentioned to Herbert Harrigan Samuelson, maybe they even play at the four a little bit too. They have that size. They give you the shooting. Get all that stuff. But just what was, what was Samuelson's market? To also, again, <laughs> you know, I questioned New York for being willing to trade the number one pick, especially this soon. Why was Seattle in such a rush to do this trade? Did Samuelson just have this incredibly robust trade market? Because what what else was someone else dangling out there for Dallas to get? There wasn't a first round pick sitting around that that <laughs> that was better. Well, even than that even one. more so, even more so, you look at their roster. You know they have multiple picks in the first round, right? And and well, now they have back-to-back picks and what is it five in the top 13 picks that's that's beyond ridiculous fine but they were likely going to have to drop her right i mean in my mind if you're looking at this roster first person i'm dropping is megan gustafson and then probably katie lou and so she was one of those players who was on the proverbial chopping block possibly and they fleeced Seattle into giving them that I'm I'm shook like what what was going I god I wish I was in on that phone call just uh you know snickering in on as the the person you're like is someone else on this call that would be me being like what is going on what what did Greg Bibb say on that call to get Seattle to okay that move 
Well, I will I will say like Dallas possibly finalizing their roster. Again, the constraint for them, which I've been hammering for a few months now, is they have some protected contracts that were overpays, and those oh, are yeah. eating up some roster spots. So that complicates it. In a vacuum, the, they had every reason to, have, in my opinion, to at least have wanted to continue to get a look at Lou. But if yeah, if you just think what what else, what was the pressure? What were they worried about? Someone else having this amazing offer to swoop in and get this player like was indiana willing to trade for for katie lou right because just like what else i don't see atlanta trading three so just like for that so like what else was even oh my goodness because it's just hilarious to think about how fast this happened right this was announced and obviously a lot of this stuff may have been agreed to before today obviously but the fact that it comes out so fast it was just it was hard not to laugh too right like you imagine because yeah, if it didn't happen ahead of time, it's like Seattle calls up Greg Bibb. Hey, uh, is uh, Katie Lou available? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. What are you offering? The number one pick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like, hope that's how Dallas, it happened. Of course Dallas would take that. Of course. Are you joking? Of course. If I'm Dallas, I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, how can we take all of our draft picks? that we have now, how can we move them in a way accompanied by a player or two on our roster? Not that, you know, whatever. How can we, you know, move back? How can we translate these five picks in the top 13 to getting us an extra one in next year's draft first round? an extra one in 2023's first round. So, you know, something to that regard is where I'm looking. If, I, if I'm Dallas, I'm saying, you know, sending out a league-wide email, hey, anybody interested in getting back in the first round? Hey, anybody interested in, you know, doing a, a little swap So we'll give you one of our first-round picks and you give us, you know, a first round in like three years, four years, 10 years. I don't care. Keep moving back. If, and obviously there's the give and take of who has the upper hand in that conversation. But if I'm Dallas, I'm, I'm, I'm making it clearly well known. Hit me up if you want to get in at the top of this draft. Okay, so let's get to recapping or retracing the steps for Kay Lou Samuelson, right? So drafted by Chicago. And in that trade last offseason where she ended up in Dallas, you really have to factor in the Astu do part of this too. So that basically, the Astu part was part of the Skylar Diggins Smith trade, but I really view that that as one trade. So Dallas got Samuelson, Chicago's 2021 first Astu. Chicago got Azrae Stevens and the Phoenix 2021 first. So if you call those first round picks a wash, Dallas traded away Azrae Stevens, clearly the best prospect in the deal for Katie Lou and the opportunity to give a stew a max contract for three years. And now fast forward a year where Samuelson didn't, you know, burst on the scene and have this incredible breakout season in 2020. Now she just gets turned around and, and swapped for the number one pick. It's like, it's like if you're James Wade, can you like, wait, 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 no, she's actually on the sky. The first round, the number one overall pick is mine now. <laughs> I, Yeah. I love it. I, I'd be pissed. <laughs> it, it's just, again, it's really bizarre. 
and again, it's like I might sound like a broken record and this part of it might not sound very interesting, but just also the timing of this. Like you had to do this now. You had to trade the number one pick that I don't even think New York should have been willing to give up in the first place. You had to do this right now to go get Katie Lou Samuelson. It, it just, it's, it's, it's incredibly bizarre. And I've seen the point on social media already. Well, it shows us what the GMs think of the draft class. Well, one, what if they're wrong? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Like, yeah, maybe they don't really think that highly of it. It's you're still, it's a number one overall pick. And again, it's just what, how can you, how can you then take that to rationalize giving that up for Samuelson, right? I pitched Samuelson as a trade target for Seattle for the number 11 pick, right? (laughs) Not subtracting a one. So as we'll get to, I, I really like the fit for Lou in Seattle. I think she can really excel there, but I don't understand why it had, why it had to happen right now and why this had to be that had to be the price they paid. I I don't either. I mean, again, I like the fit. Here's the thing. When if I take a step back and I look at all these moves, none of the moves do I go this made the team worse. Right? I mean, you can argue the Howard thing, but obviously their hands were tied on that. I like Samuelson to Seattle. I think she adds an element that they definitely lost in regards to shooting from losing Sammy from losing uh, uh, Alicia Clark. My issue is what people were giving up for it. Um, I like Minnesota getting another, uh, another uh, draft pick and to lose Kiki, especially about the things that we talked about. I, I, I like all these moves in a vacuum, but then you start talking about it and you go, what were you giving up? Could you not have kind of hoarded a little more and my initial response, and typically is, and that's because, you know, I'm stingy when it comes to these moves. See me on the on the 2K field, whatever. I'm not going to be giving you easy trades, right? Like, I'm, just, I'm still flabbergasted that, I mean, I can't think of a time in any professional sports league, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but a time where a number one draft pick was moved has changed hands so rapidly. I I'm, I'm still confused by the value of this pick, but I agree with you. Maybe these GMs are wrong. Maybe they jumped to the wrong conclusion. The, how about, how about the, the Bolton board material uh, said future number one pick has to work with now when they, they better bring it when they play Seattle and New York, really take it, <laughs> really take it to them. You didn't know. Oh, yeah. uh, so like, so then this is another part of it too. What were the what? Think about the possibilities for Seattle uh, if they just use the number one pick, right? What would be interesting? Wait, also, to there? why didn't why didn't Minnesota go? Hey, you want Kiki? Give us that number one. No, I'm joking. Sorry, <laughs> no, that's that's fair. Yeah, I mean, how like what? Do you, so yeah, pick so pick one player right now: Samuelson or Herbert Harrigan in a vacuum. Who who do you I, think who do you think is who do you think should demand a bigger return? And how big do you think the gap is? That's tough. If I'm GM, I'm putting money on Kiki. But here's... I think it's easy to say that Arya, you're crazy, you're wrong. The reason I'm putting it on her is is not a fair element to Katie Lou. 
This is her third team now. And granted, she has not gotten enough minutes to fully get an understanding. Neither did Kiki. But my thing is that there's more of a question mark of not knowing the ceiling of Kiki, right? And we know a little bit more about Katie Lou. Sometimes knowing more can be damaging, in my mind at least. I assume you're flipping it the other way. And you if you have the number one pick, you're saying, I'd rather you know get Kiki for that. What do you think? Or, sorry, Katie. Well, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't want to trade the. I don't think I'd trade the. I wouldn't trade the number one pick. Gun for to your head. Pick. You have to trade the number one pick for either Kiki or Katie Lou. Who are you doing it? Well, yeah, I guess there's no harm in framing it like that. But just, but just having to pick one, kind of long term, as a player on a team. I think I would take Samuelson. I think the gap is pretty small, but I think Herbert Harrigan, until we see more, is more stationary of an offensive threat, mm-hmm. not being able That's to shoot, shoot it on the move quite as much, or even just to show a little more, putting the ball on the floor. I think, you know, Lou is a pretty good example of a player where the good things that she can do, it can be easy to lose sight of those and maybe point to some of the deficiencies, right? Isn't uber athletic, isn't going to be a stopper at any point in her career, isn't, you know, doesn't have this amazing quickness putting it on the floor going to the basket but she can really light it up and i think it's a a good example of you know what you see in the again like what you see in the first couple seasons that doesn't have to uh, be an be a predictor of what the player is going to be the rest of their career because obviously this is going to be the best situation she's ever played in so lou well i can see sorry I, i can see lou a little bit more as a starter on a team for for a while in the league with with the shooting if that really goes through and you're just going to have to live with hopefully she's playing next to a stopper most of her career but even if she's not you're just going to have to live with that stuff where Kiki I think is I think Kiki is a tweener I think if you put her at the 3 you can get the shooting but you're not getting a ton off the dribble and if she's at the 4 I think she's going to be too slight to play that position full time so it's close. I think Samuelson would would be the preferred target at this point. And now Seattle has both. We'll see we'll see how that actually go works out. But you were saying And they don't have the number one pick. They do not. So we've we've may have gone a while here. We've covered so these are all the different pieces. I gave the, the different components here with these trades. We gave the full terms off the off the bat. So let's kind of wrap up with some team thought, team-wide thoughts here, or just looking at these teams as they're constructed now. So let's start with Seattle, right? They're the cha- they're the defending champs. They had to do something eventually to, re- you know, pivot after losing Alicia Clark. So if you look at their team now, Sue Bird and Jordan Canada at the point, Jewel Lloyd at the two. They did re-sign Epiphany Prince to factor in off the bench as one of their guards. Kitty Loxa, we'll see if she's a part of the plans this year. Would also be an option there, uh, a, a Sammy Whitcomb replacement. We can now officially officially <laughs> make that prediction now that we know that Whitcomb isn't on the team anymore. And Seattle, by the way, too, they, they, can, they can have room to keep 12 players now. That's a possibility. So that's also – that is helpful with how this is shaken out. So then at the three, we're going to have to – 
I, I think it's Samuelson, Herbert Harrigan. They're going to, I would think they're going to have a, t- a chance to give both those players ample minutes there. Brianna Stewart, they signed Candace Dupree, Mercedes Russell, and Ezzy Magbagor. You'd figure it would split time at the five. Morgan Tuck is still under contract. Maybe they just keep her. As I mentioned, they won't. They won't. I don't know if they're going to be in as much of a cap crunch here. So that's 12 players, and then they still have the number 11 pick in the draft this year. And that part of it, obviously, they can they can figure out that figure that out down the line, especially once they actually see who they can even pick pick right there. So where where do you want to start? Do you want to do you have more thoughts on this small forward? Or just the forward rotation I, in general, or just or just taking a look at the team. I mean, taking a look at the team. I'm, you know, this team's in trouble, right? I I don't consider them, and and maybe I'm going off the rails right now. I don't consider them a title contender this year, and and I hate myself for saying that. Having Jewel Lloyd, having Brianna Stewart, and having uh, Sue Bird, but. I mean, that's where my gut's at right now. And and I can't get over the fact that I just don't think I I think you mentioned this earlier, probably about 45 minutes ago. <laughs> um, but I feel like this this is one of those situations where they're going to have to double down on offense and just kind of understand that they're going to have deficiencies defensively and they're not going to have a big solution for that. I do expect a big year uh, from somebody who in my opinion, does not get enough attention for how great she's been playing over her her young, short career, which is Mercedes Russell. I expect a lot of big things from her. Obviously, there's pitfalls to her game, just like everyone else's game. She's not going to be the perfect fit uh, like Natasha Howard was, but I think she'll do a pretty good job of, of filling that role. But at the end of the day, I just don't see this team as a uh, you know start of the day right now title contender. They're going to have to prove it to me over the season they're going to have to maximize their potential late in the season i i I, maybe that maybe that's too broad of a stroke that's my thoughts on seattle yeah so i'll try to (laughs) trying to be brief here i can we can obviously come back and talk more about seattle I, i think they've done enough where they can still possibly compete for a top four spot in the playoffs this year are they going to be a title contender I think I think Vegas and Washington are going to be a cut above them if they keep their team together. We'll still see how it shakes out for Minnesota and Chicago. Chicago, um, Chicago. I, I want to think about it more if I if I bump them up with those other two or or have them on on playing with Seattle. The you know twenty four hours ago they didn't have either of these two players as these options, so the <laughs> there was the much more open question of who's going to play the three. Are they going to have enough offensively? So as far as the offense goes, I think they'll be able to do just fine, especially if locks is an option too. And they're going to have the three point shooting still. I think even, I think what might be the problem is I kind of wonder if Stewart at the five might even be, end up being ultimately a more appealing option for them. So, you know, we'll see. I'm not super high on the Dupree signing, helping them in the playoffs against the best team. I think she can, of course, help them in the regular season. Russell and Ezzy at the five. I think it's solid. You know, what else were they going to do? So, yeah. I don't, I don't have a ton else on Seattle for now. I don't know. 
I think no, that, they're still. I think be that's good. fair, and I think that yeah, I think we've we've beaten that one down. Which which teams next? Is there any other teams that you wanted to talk about, or have we kind of? I feel like we we went down the di- or down the rabbit hole on all of these teams. Um, but I, I will say, uh, you know me, the the big DC hater who lives in DC, find it hilarious. I know. Um, I. I there's something about DC isn't sitting right with me, just not sitting right with me. I I have them as as like the top four team as as the number four team currently, um. But honestly, with the moves that I saw today from Phoenix, I kind of bumped them up a little bit. Not gonna lie. So well, let's it, do it's tough for let's me. do New York now. I mean, they're they're let's not uh, overshadow how big a moment this still is for them. Right? They got Natasha Howard. <laughs> They they are a shoe in playoff team for me. Shoe um, in, shoe in. I'll ready, say it. He's ready. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you assume obviously assuming. So then you uh, gotta give me then you gotta give me three teams other than oh Indiana. God, I, I knew you were gonna do this, but I immediately involved. regretted shoe in. Um, all right. So even if it's marginal, who are they ahead of in the in the power rankings for you right now? Gotta obviously. Yeah, no, 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 I'll do it. Indiana, <laughs> obviously, easy one. Um, sorry, Nikki, Atlanta. Um, and I need one more. And you're gonna no, make you, me do one more. Four teams missed the playoffs. No, I know. Um, honestly, I think so. I I have them as a shoe in. I in and by I say shoe in, I mean seven or eight seed, right? Um, so Atlanta and Indiana aren't making it. God, this is going to be freaking crazy of me to say, but Los Angeles Uh-oh. and Los Angeles and Connecticut are two Connecticut. teams. They're not going to make the playoffs. Sorry, sorry. I did not mean Connecticut. I was looking at Connecticut. I did not mean Connecticut at all. Disrespect. I meant Dallas. Dallas. Sorry. Not Connecticut. Dallas. So I think, yeah, we're, we're looking at a lot of these, you know, same teams from last year. I, because I do think, you know, Dallas is going to grow a lot through just being older, right? But who were they fighting with to make it into the playoffs last year? I believe it was Washington. Washington's leapfrogging up. It's 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 just going to be that much harder. Like, in, in my mind, I, I immediately regret saying shoo-in for New York to make the playoffs. I think it is going to be a rock fight for the 7th, 8th seed. Heck, even the 6th seed. I just think... What we're gonna see is a, a a distance, a stiff arm, if you will, for a football reference between the likes of um, the Mystics, who I'm saying first out of respect, the Aces, Minnesota, and Phoenix. I think there's going to be a level, and this is my gut reaction thoughts right now. Ben's gonna scream at me when we get off the pod. Rachel's going to scream at me. Somebody else is going to reach out and call me an idiot for this. I just think those four teams are truly going to, you know, the the big brother, the big sister move where you just hold their head while the little kid's trying to hit you and give that distance. And then everybody else is just, it's going to be so close. We're not going to know who's making the playoffs until the last day, except for that 12th seed, uh, which I think the league, um, the talking heads, you and I, the only people that matter right now in our podcast uh, is going to Indiana Fever. I love that talking head is an insult, right? Like, 
I just use it. Loose head, like, I don't loose know when to use it talk. or when not. <laughs> this is this is what people are tuned in for. So yeah, that I, I, it's it's obviously not really a super strong take, right? Because if you're the eight seed, you know the team's right behind you. There's probably at least one that's really close. So it's not like it's a scorching hot take. I don't think they're going to be better than Atlanta. I think that's a step too far for me. LA is still an incomplete picture, right? You know, is is Shnei Agumake playing this season? Maria Vadiva, uh, I think, would be like I had said with Johannes for New York. You know, it's if if anything, it it's probably going to be a disjointed season if if LA gets to see her at all. So we don't we don't totally know what their team's going to be like. I might I might have New York ahead of Dallas. You know, maybe like sixty forty, leaning more in their favor at this point. To, to I just think, I think they're more think, in the nine to ten range for me. New York, yeah. Ooh, so you don't even think they're making the playoffs? They're gonna have a chance. I mean, we said it's gonna be eleven teams. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think I would pick them if the season started today, but I think they'll be right there. I, I'm just gonna take this moment to apologize to all my friends who constantly hit me up for WNBA advice when they bet. This year is going to be tough for WNBA betters. Just saying it now. I thought you were going to like transition into an ad read right there. <laughs> so, to close uh, out well, on New York. Speaking of, if anybody, if anybody wants to sponsor the Winsider Show, contact me at ariatwinsider.com, and your ad could take place during this period of time. Anyways, so <laughs> Natasha Howard in New York. Going to be really fun to see with how they're playing as a pick and roll partner with Sabrina, with Laser Clarendon, and you know, really the rest of their team, Benajah Laney. So that's gonna be pretty fun. Still a post up option. They can run some stuff through Natasha, give her some chances to make some plays, even put the ball in her hands more just from the perimeter and obviously what she can do to elevate their defense. You know, we talked about the lineups and who's gonna play. Well I think the nice part with Natasha at least is I don't think they have to worry about it a ton. Right, I mean, still sign. You got to sign the best players that that they can get at this at this point, where they still do need to think one to two years in the future, you know, before, as opposed to maybe three or four <laughs> before they had made some mm-hmm. some big moves here. But I could see some. I could see it making sense for them to play Natasha at the four and the five. That'll make sense. So adding Laney and now Howard and Whitcomb to. That's obviously a big deal for when half your roster, more than half your roster was composed of rookies. So obviously an incredibly exciting uh, day for New York, not to overshadow that <laughs> when we got into more of the, the negotiation part of it and what, what should Seattle have asked for, what should they have given up. So next team here, Phoenix, I think we hit, you know, we hit most of it already, right? Because it was a pretty isolated event. Did you have anything else you wanted to say on them? No, I mean, I, I just think they made some real. I, I said this before, I'll say it again. They made some really smart moves uh, to solidify. And and while there might be some concerns as in regards to injury uh, that we touched on earlier, I think they have a nice amount of depth in the positions that they need. I mean, realistically, there are certain players that if they go down with injury, this team probably isn't winning a championship. But I do think that they added some depth in some places that we haven't seen in a, in a Phoenix roster in a while. This is a much different Phoenix roster than we've seen in a while. So that's my two cents. You? 
looking at them right now, I think I think the interesting part is, you know, obviously how much are they gonna bank on Megan Walker playing? I, I think that is interesting. We'll have to see how that shakes out. But now I think the question for them is, I think, I would guess maybe you have your 10 players. The problem now is that looking at them potentially finishing their off season here is I would think you're just going to add a fifth big behind Turner, Griner, Alana Smith, and Kiavon going to be rolling with 11 players. So I wonder if that, if that could spell trouble for Sophie Cunningham and that, yeah, they can't, they can't do a ton. You know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my cap sheet right now, but trying to eyeball it. Yeah. I don't think they can sign a vet, a veteran at the minimum at their minimum salary right now. So they're really in the final stages here. They only have a third round pick left. So I think we're, we're, we probably have to be pretty close to the the final version of this roster here, but uh, getting nurse, I, I think that's worth it. So that's exciting for them. Final two teams here. Minnesota, maybe the same. Kind of, have you exhausted everything you wanted to say there? Yeah, you you've convinced me that my feelings are less strong about disliking this move. But at the end of the day, I mean, all this means nothing to me if they can't make the Sims move, which brings them powers. I think this team would be a lot better with powers. And all of my talk about Minnesota being a top four team in the league this coming season is very reliant not only on health and growth of some young players, but very much so powers joining this team. Go. Of, oh, of course they have, they got the, you got the agreement. They have to wrap that up and do what it takes to do it. And you know, the, this trade, like the one they made with Herbert Harrigan, you got, you got to like, you got to go back to your evaluation of the player, right? If you really believe that Kiki's going to be a high rotation player for a long time, you know, then don't back down from it. And then maybe you would still question it, even again if it does look crowded, right? It's not the it's not the end of the world, but obviously, as you touched on, there still might be even more, you know, kind of adding to their roster total, so that that they have to kind of figure out. But no, I didn't have very much else on Minnesota. So final team here, Dallas. They keep they keep adding picks. <laughs> They're gonna get control of the of the whole first round here. Now, I wonder about my another one of my trades I pitched was the trading down scenario for Atlanta and Indiana. I really wonder about that some more now too, right? A quick reaction from you. What do you think of, because you're, as Dallas, you've obviously added a pick you're going to want to use at one, and you think you still want to use the number two pick. What, uh, do, you, what do you think of flipping five and seven for three or four with Atlanta or Indiana? I, for this coming season, I don't see why you do that if I'm Dallas. I mean, do you want a bunch of picks in a row? I understand then you get complete control and you get to pick whoever you want. Like I said before, I mean, my my opinion on this is not wavering. You have more than enough picks to get what you want. Use some of those picks, you know, to to move back and stay relevant because what have we seen from Dallas in, in the recent future? Their ability to get star power through the draft and get a lot of it. So, you know, obviously, you know, if you're 
the Houston Comets in the middle of their four championship run or the Storm during their period of time um, or during the Sparks or, or during any team. Having, you know, they have a young roster. They can then say, okay, two years down the road, we're still going to add a top 10 player uh, in the draft. I, I just think it's quite obvious in my mind, at least. But obviously, Greg is playing 4D chess. Um, I, I think you want to move move those picks to get into uh, a high draft pick in the coming years. Not this, not this one. Well, but the, but the problem is like, if you're trying to trade seven, the other team knows that Dallas is sitting on all these picks. I mean, I don't know. Like if Dallas wants a future. So, tra- first, so trade two. Are, are there, are there real? I mean, yeah, we but just that talked was, about the roster. My idea was trading two also. Okay, I'm down with it. If you, if you're, if, no, but uh, I, sorry, I misunderstood what you were asking. I thought you were saying move back in this year's draft. If I'm Dallas, I'm saying I want to get out of this year's draft for the reasons we talked about, and maybe get a collection of picks that then I can make a move to get a top three pick in the coming draft. That that's that's where my mindset's at. Dallas should no longer be thinking, oh, we're going to be in the lottery this coming season, so we're going to get a good pick. Dallas should be saying. We're going to be in the playoffs this coming season, so we need to make some moves so that we can continue to grow our youth base um, and just keep adding uh, sprinkles to the top. Yeah, so what I was like, I like this idea because, so think of it this way. They've got, I agree on Megan Gustafson. You'd think she's on the outs there. So look at what Dallas has right now. They got 10 players. Mm-hmm. If you If you take off. Gustafson you tack on one and two now you're at your 12 and they can only they can't just I don't think there's no one left that they would just want to wave for nothing right yeah and then you have those you obviously have those protected contracts all of them uh, going beyond this year so you keep one and two that gets you to 12 if you turn five and seven into three or four and you can move up and you know it would there would need to be a player you're doing this for that you really like. Then if you're at 13 and you're maybe talking about doing one more trade or even maybe even like, you know, if a stew just didn't want to come over this year, although why wouldn't you want to collect that salary? If you're a Mm -hmm. stew, like obviously that would do them a favor. So even in that scenario where they're consolidating five and seven to move up, which could at least be somewhat meaningful, it still seems like there has to be at least one more shoe to drop for Dallas. So uh, I think it's I think it's interesting for Indiana cuz move why not if you're only moving back one spot if you're not worried about Dallas taking the player you want pick up another pick a little bit later and and maybe Atlanta could see that the same way but I think I'd I'd want to hold on to 3 maybe a little bit more in that case with more teams between you So yeah uh, <laughs> a lot a lot of stuff for Dallas to figure out here, but holding one and two to to really control the draft, that's exciting for for what they had to give up give up. You know, because if you think about Samuelson with the wings too, you re-signed Alicia Gray and it's a big contract. So it just doesn't seem likely that they're gonna move Alicia backwards in terms of a role to have her off the bench. So if your starting wings are Arike and Alicia Gray. Satu Sabli is your four, so there naturally aren't a lot of minutes for Katie Lou anyways if they were going to 
try to keep her because they also gave Kayla Thornton a contract extension who mm-hmm. is going to eat up some of those minutes at the forward spots. So, yeah, I, <laughs> still, I think this is where those contracts that they signed last offseason and the sign and trade for a stew, this is where this is already going to come to roost for Dallas. And as they try to maneuver here, right, like they get they get beat up, sometimes rightfully so, Greg Bibb for the moves that he's made. This one today unquestionably was a good move. And there's still plenty of reason to think that they can still pull off some good moves here and still finalize a roster, but but we'll have to see. Hey, I, I agree with you. There's still some moves to be made. I think we've touched on everything we can for today. We went a little long. Break it up. If if you if you're at this point, you obviously already finished it, so you didn't break it up. Break <laughs> it up. It's fine. We won't be hurt if you only listen to half it and then you save the rest of the half. I think we we knocked this one out of the park. I do want to remind everybody, Winsider is your one-stop shop for all your WNBA news and conversation. We can't do it without your support. Become a subscriber at patreon.com backslash Winsider. For just a few dollars a month, you can help grow the game.